starting a new sermon series this morning. Pray strong. Pray strong. Um, you know, a lot of us, we pray too soft. Now listen, a lot of times I pray soft with my voice. But in here, you got to be praying strong. I'm not talking about how, you know, because some of you know say, well, I'm, I'm a little shy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in here. you got to pray strong. And three sermons that I've, I'm preparing, I, I, I say planning or preparing because sometimes they stretch out, I guess, be four or five. But planning three on praying strong. I, I, I want to tell, tell you some things in these three weeks to help you start praying strong because some of you think, I prayed and God hadn't done anything. He's not answering my requests. He's not filling my needs. He's not doing what I need. I want to give you three tools, three things that I want to share with you. First thing I want you to see is I want you to see this first verse of Scripture, James chapter 5, uh, verse 16. The last part of that verse says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you pray, it's supposed to be strong. And I don't just mean your prayer is supposed to be strong. There is a strength in your prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and will be effective and will accomplish what it's done. This morning I want to share something with you. And, and if you've never gotten this, don't worry, because a lot of seasoned Christians, people who've been praying for years and years and years, have never gotten this. This thing I want to tell you about this morning. They, they've, ne- they've, never, they've never gotten it. That, that th- and this is an element that is missing out of their prayers that makes their prayers not as strong as it should be. And God gives us tools to help us focus on and not, not miss these things. And here's the one he's given us I'm going to preach to you about this morning. It's anointing oil. Now, if you've uh, never been in a church or service where someone was anointed with oil, it might sound a little strange to you. If you've been in it and seen it one time, it probably is strange. Now, that was weird. Yeah, well, there's a whole lot of weird with God. You know, and I got, I, I got some ideas about why there's a whole lot of weird with God. Part of it is because we think this is normal in this world. We think this world is normal. That's why God looks weird to us a lot of times. And we get into a, a, a routine and a rut, and it's just the same old, same old. You kind of start falling asleep in life and letting life just happen. And so sometimes God just has to show up with a little weird to wake up. So wait a minute, it's not supposed to be like that. Quit accepting this. Uh, you know, uh, I mentioned, uh, early service, I mentioned, you know, like Naaman, the leper. God told him, go down the Jordan River and dip seven times, you're going to be healed. That's weird. All God had to say was, hey, you're healed. Uh, or like the blind man that came to Jesus. All Jesus had to do was touch his eyes and make him well. But what did he do? Jesus made some mud. He spit on the ground and made some mud and put it on the guy's eyes and said, now go down and watch. That's weird. Come on, somebody. Amen. But it made you think, didn't it? I mean, if Jesus did that to you, you'd say, wait a minute, something, something else is going on here. I believe he's got reasons for that. I'm going to share one of them with you toward the end of this message about why God does this. But here's our tool. This is a tool to remind us of this first thing I want to tell you about this morning about praying strong. Pray with me. Father, I love you. And thank you so much, God, that you allow us to stand in your presence. God, that you you honor us, Lord, by allowing us to be in your presence. And God, I pray for someone here today, God, that has been fighting a fight, battling God, working through something. They have been under a weight. God, that today will be the day, God, they start praying strong, believing you to do what you said you would do in your word what you've already provided for, what you've already said you would do. I pray in Jesus' name, help us today. Give us a hunger and a thirst 
God, to see more of you. God, set a fire inside of us to receive, to, to, to fight, and to pray strong. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so let's go to a very familiar, I mean, if you've ever read a scripture or heard a scripture quoted about this, it was probably this one. It's two verses earlier than the one I just read to you. It's James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. James says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. A couple of things I want to mention to you about those two verses of Scripture. is First of all, they tell us where the answer to prayer and where, how it comes, how healing comes to a person. What's the key to there? How does, how does healing get here? What, what is it through? It is through what? It's not this. Okay? So even though I'm going to preach about this this morning, this is not what gives you your healing. All right? If somebody prays over you, anoints you with oil, this is not what gives you your healing. Okay? And that's, that's one of our problems we've got sometimes in Christianity. I mean, we, we, get, we get a little focused on one little thing, and man, it all, it's all about the oil. It's not about the oil. It is about the prayer of faith. You see, this doesn't change anything. It's still about faith. It's still about Jesus Christ. It's still about putting it all in Him and trusting in Him for it. But He gives us this tool. Now, you don't have to have this. I mean, if you have to have this, imagine if you're on the road somewhere one day and you've got a problem. Say, oh, man, I left my oil at home. Okay, you know, you know maybe you go under the hood, you know, and see if I can find a little bit of this dripping right there. Water. No, you know what? It's not about the oil. The oil is a tool. The oil is a reminder, something that God, and I'm going to tell you what that is, but I got to give you some history because right here, I want you to, this, I want you to know this. This is the last verse of scripture in the Bible that talks about oil for using, in the book of Revelation, it, talk about, it talks about oil as a commodity, about how, you know, oil is plenteous so that kind of a thing. This is the last time in scripture that it's talked about as far as anointing with oil. There, but there's a huge history there. This is where we end up. This is the last thing God tells us about it, and he tells us, when we pray that prayer of faith, use this and pray that prayer of faith that it'll save the sick. So let's back up all the way to the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. The first time oil is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis. And it's in the story of Jacob. And uh, Jacob is running from his brother. He has had to leave home because he has gotten his brother's birthright. His brother is mad. So he's left home. He's uh, out trying to outrun him. And uh, he finds a place, he lays down for the night, he gets a rock, pulls it over, and uses it for a pillow. And while he's asleep, he has a dream. In this dream, he sees a staircase that stretches from heaven to earth all the way. And he sees angels ascending and descending, just constantly going back and forth. He gets so excited that when he wakes up, he says, man, this must be the gateway of heaven. This is where angels come and go. Now, of course, they probably come and go other places, but he is in a place that is special. He is seeing something awesome. And in this dream, he also sees the Lord, God, standing at the top of the staircase. And God begins speaking to him a promise. Verse 13 of chapter 28. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And so he gets this awesome, awesome promise. And we don't have time to talk about all the promise that is there, okay? This is, this is uh, the same promise that God had given to Abraham, his granddad, and to Isaac, his dad. And now he gives it to Jacob. So no longer is Jacob 
Like, okay, my family has a promise. Now Jacob is like, I got a promise. God has just given me the same promise he gave my granddad and my dad. I'm not just serving the God of my dad and the God of my granddad. I'm serving a God who is now connected with me. And he wakes up and is like, wow, what a place this must be. It's the gateway of heaven uh, because I have seen God and God has made me a promise and it's an awesome thing. So you know what he does? Look at verse uh, 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So he takes this, this rock that obviously was flat, he used as a pillow, and then he stands it up. He stands it up right, best he can. And then he pours oil over it. And then he says, I'm going to call it, I know everybody else calls this area less, I'm going to call it Bethel. Now, why, why did he do this? This is the first time oil is mentioned, and we see, see him pouring oil over it. Why does he do this? Well, here's Jacob's reasons for doing this. Number one is he doesn't want to forget this place. He wants to remember this place. And he didn't have any spray, uh, spray paint in his back pocket. And, you know, Lowe's wasn't open yet. You know, it's going to be several thousand years before Lowe's was open, where you go get some spray paint. So he couldn't spray paint the rock. The best thing he had to mark this rock was oil. Everything else is going to wash off. You know, put a tire rag around it, whatever, it's going to wear away. Pour oil over it because God had promised him in those verses we read a moment ago, I'm going to bring you back home. And he said, when I'm coming back home, I want to remember this place. When I come back this way and I pass, I want to remember this place. And so he set this rock up and he poured oil on it to mark this place so he wouldn't forget it. He wanted to make sure I don't forget this place. And secondly, he was marking it and declaring it as territory. He was, he was marking it as God's territory. I know all you people call it Luz. I call it Bethel, meaning the house of God, because this is the gateway of heaven. This is the place where I have met God and God has met me. I have received a great promise from him, and I have been told by him he is always going to be with me and he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. And he said, you might call it Luz, but I call this the house of God. And he marked this as a place and declared this territory now belongs to God. Okay, so get that. That's, that's really all it was, is it was a place to mark. Now, in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, I believe, is where, it's where we see oil mentioned again. And it is mentioned about anointing, uh, really for the first time. But as I look at that, and look, I won't bring this, this verse to you because just for time's sake, but as I look at that, it's like God says, hey, get all the children of Israel when you're putting together the tabernacle. They're building this tabernacle. It's basically a tent. It's not a permanent structure because they're moving around right now on the way to the promised land. God said, get, you know, get them to bring the fabric for the tent and the poles and bring them the wood and bring the gold and the silver, you know, and everybody's going to bring an offering and, and also bring the spices for the anointing oil. And that's all he says. You know, he doesn't say because, you know, and it's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, so, you know, you would think that God say, bring some, bring some spices because you're going to make an anointing oil to da 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 God doesn't say that. He just says, bring some spices for the anointing oil. Now, either they already knew what anointing oil was, you know, because maybe they'd seen other people do it in other religions or whatever, and God's going to just take it over here and use it, you know, with them. And or maybe, maybe God's just saying, look, don't even worry about it yet. Just do what I tell you to do. Man, you know what? That would be a good lesson for a lot of us. Amen. Don't worry about understanding it yet. If God says it, just do it, you know, and then maybe you'll understand as God begins to move in and do his thing. 
for whatever reason, you know, here's what I really believe. I believe that it's just a simple thing. And sometimes we try to make things real deep and difficult and hard. And it's just a simple thing. We're going to make some oil and we're going to anoint stuff. So let's see in Exodus chapter 30, the next time it's mentioned, where it's really explained. And here you see the verse, few verses there, starting verse 22. It's how God says, okay, now take all these spices, take this much of this and this much of this and, and, and mix them together. And you're going to make these into a sacred anointing oil. We don't have time for this study right here, but he's saying this is going to be a sacred anointing oil. That recipe right there is going to be used for nothing except what I'm about to tell you about. This one is special. Now, this right here, you know, this is just regular old olive oil, okay? Good for cooking, okay? But that's, you know, other than that, anointing us about, you know, all of this, just olive oil, okay? It's nothing special. This was a special oil. He called it a sacred anointing oil. And he said, with this oil, I want you to anoint everything that you've been building of this tabernacle, even the tent itself. Anoint the tent of meeting. Anoint the Ark of the Covenant of the Law. You remember that box they had that they called the Ark that had the Ten Commandments inside of it? You know, and they carried it around and it was the symbol of God's presence. It's where God met with him because it's not like today. All of us are temples of God, the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so he can meet with every one of us all the time. Not in that day. This was the symbol of his presence and where he could meet with people. That box, even that box, anoint the Ark of the Covenant of the Law. Anoint the table and all its articles. You know, if we were doing this today, we would, we would be anointing all this kind of stuff. Music stands and those kinds of things. Uh, anoint the lampstand and its accessories. Uh, we'd be anointing uh, guitar strings and even picks, you know, drumsticks and all those, all the accessories, everything we're using. The altar of incense, anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils. Anoint the basin with its stand. You will consecrate them so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. So God is saying, as you, as you touch these with, with the oil, as you mark them, I'm going to consider them holy. You know, nothing's going to really change in them physically. Okay, but I'm going to consider, God says, I'm going to consider them holy. They're going to be consecrated to me. And, and, and whatever they touch, I'm also going to consider to be holy and to consecrate. Okay, and, and, and then he says, there's one more thing you got, you got to anoint with this special oil. He says, anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. He didn't say, go find me some priests. He said, get Aaron and his sons and anoint them with this oil as my priests. He didn't say anybody. He didn't say all of your family, Moses. Aaron was his brother. He didn't say all... He said, Aaron and his sons. Now, sometimes later, also, kings were anointed. And, and God didn't say, hey, go find me a king for Israel. He said, I want you to go anoint Saul, son of Kish. I want you to anoint him. And then when Saul began to be disobedient to God and turn his back on God, God turned his back on Saul. God said, I got to have somebody else be the king. So he said, Samuel, go down to Jesse's house. Jesse's got five other sons, but I want you to anoint the youngest one, David. Not just any son, but David specifically. It was are you getting this? The same, the same reason that we have here is it's the same reason we had in Genesis chapter 28. It was to mark something. To mark something for God's use. So here's the purpose. The purpose of, uh, of anointing is to mark something as holy, consecrated, accepted by God. Okay, so now I've been giving you a history lesson kind of on anointing oil. Now we're about to kind of slide into present day. Because what they anointed with the oil was their places of worship. Their place of worship. Our places of worship. Because every one of you, as children of God, you're temples of the Holy Spirit. Places of worship. 
What's a place of worship? According to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, I mean, what was he looking at as a place of worship? It was a place where he had met God for the first time. Oh, wow. What an awesome place this is. I'm going to mark this because I don't, I don't want to ever forget this place that I first met God. Uh, the place where he received great promises. You, have you received a promise? Mark it. Mark it. Say, this is mine. This belongs to me. So when the enemy starts to come against it, you say, no, no, no. I marked that place. I took a little oil, I marked that thing. You got a child of God, a child that God has given to you, and, and maybe it was, a, it was a, there was a promise in it in some way, and, and maybe you were having a hard time having children. God gave you a child, and you know, like, like Samuel's mother, you know, and, and like Hannah, and you say, you say, I know this is a gift from God, and, and you anoint that child and say, this is God, and every time you see the devil begin getting anywhere near it, you say, no, wait a minute, this one is marked, and it belongs to God. It was the place he met God for the first time. It was the place he received his promise. And it was the place he planned on meeting God again. You know, think about it. Where do you plan on meeting God again? All your places of worship. You listen to praise and worship music and you pick them up truck. That's a place of worship. That's a place of worship. Say, so, and this is a place I get. You, you, so we got quite a few people in our church that run and walk. I think more of them in the early service than the second. I think maybe those two might go together, huh? Early service and walking walk and running or whatever. But anyway, uh, we, we got several people. You know, where you, you have phones and you listen to your music and you just get along with God while you're out there. And that's a place of worship because you're the temple of God. Wherever your places of worship are, are places there that you can do. And, 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 and you can even turn places into places of worship. Uh, also, tools of ministry. What are tools of ministry? I know I pointed some out kind of up here, but you are. You are, you are. You're the tools of ministry that are used to bring glory and worship and praise to God, but also that God uses to reach other people, to minister to other people. 25 people in the last week and a half from 2911 have spent 126 hours up at Mount Olive Elementary School pouring in being tools of worship, being ministry ministers, tools of ministry to God that, that have been anointed to be, to be a blessing to the community. Your tools of ministry, you know what your kids are too. Your kids are. And so if you've got a child, if you've got a teenager, or you've got an older child that is away from God, they are tools of ministry. You know what? It's time to, it's time to take them back. Yeah, so the enemy is, his enemy's got them, they're off somewhere, they're thinking other things, doing, doing things they shouldn't be doing. It's time to take them back and say, wait a minute, this, because if you think about it, when they were building all those, those pieces of furniture, it was just furniture. It was nothing special. They took a few sticks. Yeah, they decorated them. You know, they carved some things and they put them together. But it was a table just like any other table until they anointed it and said, God, now this is set apart for you. And there were times in, in the future where the where kings of other countries would come in and they would plunder the temple and they would take the things away from God. But you know what God would do? God would allow them to bring them back and they brought back many of the articles back to the temple and they rededicated them, re-anointed them. Some of you need to do that with your children. You say, wait a minute, this belongs to God. And even though it's, it was just, it's just a common child, but it belongs to God. And even though it's been defiled and taken away, you can mark things that are common and you can say, God, I consecrate this to you and declare it is no longer common. You can even mark those things that have been defiled and say, God, I give this back to you. My child, I give back to you even though they've been defiled and walked in a way away from you and call them back to the true purpose that they were initially intended for, that God originally intended for them and, and, and see God make them holy and consecrated again. And also priests and kings. And who are the priests and kings today? You, everyone. Not, not me. I'm not the only priest in this house. But every one of you are priests and kings. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says you are a, and he's not talking about Israel here. Read the context. You'll see it. He's talking about the church. 
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You have been selected and chosen to be this, and you have been anointed by Him, His Holy Spirit, because you're the priests and the kings. And so you can, you can take that, that that's, that's the purpose of this anointing thing is to select these things and to say these things should be. You see, you see, here's, here's the thing that I was saying early on that a lot of even seasoned Christians never get, pray all their lives and they never get it, is, is this is a tool to remind us to pray specific. Too many people pray, you know, you pray those prayers. God save everybody, heal everybody, deliver everybody, uh, give everybody all the money and the food they need to eat, and uh, God just just bless us all. You know, and, and, and th- there's no specificity to it at all. They're like God do it all. And he- here's the reason I believe. Here- here's one of the main reasons I believe that God wants us to pray specific because that's w- that's what this whole message is about. Here's the reason. Is because God is a jealous God. You ever heard that? I didn't say that about him. He said it about himself. He said, I am a jealous God. I want you to worship me and praise me and thank me when I do something good for you. So when you're praying your specific generic, uh, unspecific generic prayers of God, you know I got problems, please help me. And the next day, something turns around for you, you're kind of thinking, I wonder if God did that, right? You're not really sure because you weren't specific enough in your prayer. But when you... Whether you take the oil or not, remember, you don't have to, but this is a tool. This is a tool, and it's also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When you take that and you anoint that, say, God, you know I've got this this problem, and I need you to do so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. And And I know some of you say, but I I don't even know what I need God to do. All I know is you know where the problem is, don't you? And when you anoint that place and say, God, i got a problem here, and I need some help. And the next day or the next week or even the next month when it happens, you say, oh, wait a minute. That is the place that I mark with a little bit of oil and I say, God, I am covenanting with you right now that your Holy Spirit is going to do. That's the place I prayed. I believe God is that. Can I tell you one? This past Thursday, uh, Colin was sick and uh, Bradley went and got his anointing oil, came and said, let's pray for Colin. He took it. His dad, his father, the priest of his home took that and, and put it on his head and we began to pray. And you know what? He didn't get better. And they talked to the doctor. The doctor said, you better bring him in. They took him to the ER. But guess what? We didn't quit praying. I was praying specific. As they were, they were, it, took them, it took them a while to get back out of the driveway because we got so many cars in the driveway that night. And so I'm standing there. On, I was just going to pray to the left. I didn't know it was going to be 15 minutes, you know, standing there on the porch praying. But, you know, I, I was praying and praying. And in a little while, guess what? When we finally heard from him, guess what? They were coming back home. Yeah, he still had a fever, but the doctors couldn't find a single thing. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. We don't know what's wrong with the kid. Yeah, he's running a fever, but we don't know anything that is wrong with him. They couldn't find it. And you know what? Sometimes we say, oh, man, I really hate that. No, that's exactly what I pray for. God, let him get there and let him say, I don't know what's going on because I know we touched him with it. We say, God, touch this little boy. Whatever is causing this fever, get rid of it. Get it out of his body. And they couldn't find anything wrong. So that's when I tell you this story this morning, I want you to know I give glory and praise and thanks to God because we prayed and He answered. Amen? And, and, and I want to do that because the next time I pray, I want Him to answer. I want Him to know that I'm the guy who's always going to praise Him when I know that He does something for me. And I believe that's one of the reasons He wants us to pray specific. So that other people say, ah, oh, that was just coincidence. He said, no, no, no. You don't know what I prayed yesterday. I named this thing. Pray specific. 
like over sickness, James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Like the example I just gave you of Colin. Uh, John, John and April's little boy uh, injured his ear the other night. He wouldn't quit crying, wouldn't quit crying, wouldn't quit crying. They, they'd pray. We got where we were praying. They were driving him to the hospital. As they got off the interstate, all of a sudden he quits crying. Things change. They turn around, they come back home. So any problem? No. Oh man, don't you hate that you made that trip up? No. It's exactly what I prayed for. If I have to make it, you know, if I have to make a trip to go that far, it's exactly what I prayed for. Be specific. Or like personal uh, battles. You have personal battles? You know, things that you're dealing with in your home or go anoint something. Your kids, your kids going to school? Man, find something that you're going to have with you every day at school. Anoint that. Say, God, I'm having problems at school. And you know that I, some of you worried about your kids going back to school this fall. They had problems all last year. It's going to be, it's going to be tough again this year. Grab that book bag. Put a little bit of oil on this. Say, God, you got to go with them. I can't be with them every day. I can't walk those halls. I can't be there. God, I need your Holy Spirit to go with them. And just as this symbolizes the Holy Spirit, I am anointing this book bag. I want you to be with them every moment of the day that they're at school. You know, uh, you're struggling with or, or like culture attacks, things that are attacking us through our culture. You know, you've got, you've got some kind of a, an issue, something you deal with, uh, or somebody in your family has, maybe an addiction, an addiction to online pornography. They go, go anoint that computer. God, every time something starts to come up on the screen, let ATTU verse charter and everybody go down. Just let it all go down right then, right now. Whatever it takes, God, stop this. You got an addiction? I, I'd really like to quit. I'd really like to quit drinking. I'd really like to quit putting, spending all that money I'm spending on smoking. and whatever. Take your cigarettes out of your pocket. Take a little, oh, say, God, and right now, let this be the last pack of cigarettes I ever see in my life, that I ever own in my life. I know some people say, oh, man, you, you, that's blasphemy, taking, taking anointing oil and, and anointing a pack of cigarettes. And, so, no, because what you can do is you can take that that was common or you can take that that was defiled and you can anoint that place and say, God, from now on, the money I'm spending on these cigarettes, I want to be able to use for your kingdom. The money I'm spending and the time I'm spending getting over my hangovers and stuff of this, I, I want to start spending for you, God. I can't get out of this, God. Please, somehow, by your power, set me free from this. I, I believe God does that kind of a thing. That he wants, us, he wants to turn about. Or, or, or protection. Anybody got kids that drive? You worry about them? You prayed over their car yet? My goodness, get in that car and pray over it. For my benefit, too, because i gotta, I got to meet them on the road, right? And pray over that God, you know, and not just for their protection. One of the things I was always concerned about with my kids growing up was we were ministering. We were in, in church, we were ministering, and so my kids had to hang out with kids that weren't in church if they were going to get them to church. So that I knew that they were hanging out with kids that were doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And I, I was praying things like, God, I anoint this car, and if somebody gets in this car with something that will get my son arrested, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you help them lose it before they get in the car. Or let them smoke it before they get in the car. Whatever, get it, get it, but don't let them get it in. The, in the, and have my son, I, I, I plead the blood and I, and I anoint my son for his testimony. That his testimony isn't destroyed because he's arrested for something that somebody else put in his car. What do you, protection. Uh, financial stuff. You got financial problems? Get the checkbook out. God, I need this money to pay my bills. It ain't enough, God. I need this money to be able to pay my bills. Get your budget out. And if that line at the bottom is always red, anoint that line. Say, God, I need this red to turn to black. 
give me favor with my boss, to give me a raise, give me a better job, some overtime, whatever it takes, God, or, or get rid of one of these bills up here that I don't have to pay anymore. God, I need this red to turn to black. I anoint this, God, and I'm praying this. Because if you're just praying, God, I just need you to help me financially. Well, how in the world are you going to know that God does it that way? I believe he wants you to be specific about something. And, and even if you don't tie his hand, say, God, it's got to be that. Don't, don't tie God's hands. Now, listen. There are some things I say in the early service I don't say in the second and vice versa. And I just kind of leave that to God, that He reminds me of things in one service He does in another because there are certain people sitting at different services. I didn't say this in the first service. But I'm saying it in the second just because it was, I was reminded of it. What this is not, is not something if you go, to, go down to Sarakia and walk around and say, God, ah, this one right here. Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't have a sunroof. <laughs> Let me go see if I can get another one. That's not what this is. But if you need a car, if you need a car, it's not to go down and pick out your next you know, expense and go, God, you gotta, you gotta pay for this because I can't afford it and I really want it. No, that ain't what this is. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that in the next couple of weeks. But this is about saying, God, I need a car. I've got to get the kids to school. I've got to get to work. God, I've got to have a second job after school or something. I've got to, I got to, and God, I need your help. And let me hurry. Or, or, I got to say this. Get, get, you're having problems with your boss and you need to re- go anoint your desk, go anoint your cubicle, go anoint something right there. Say, God, you know, I'm struggling with this boss and I got to have some help here. I'm struggling. You know, you start dealing with a teacher, struggling with a teacher, go anoint her desk when she ain't looking. And just say, God, you know, I got to have some favor here. I've got to have some help here. And don't just say, oh, God, help me. No, say, God, I need some favor in this place. Or family or marriage. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know any quick way tactfully to say this, except like this. There are a bunch of cougars and wolves out there. And I'll tell you this. I don't, I don't know why, but, but ministry marriages are always under attack. And I, I don't know what it is. There's something about this 20 inches right here that makes people think that's power and status or whatever because I'm 20 inches higher than y'all. Listen, I got a whole lot of other things I can tell y'all. It's a lot more impressive than 20 inches, you know, but, but that's the way some people look at it. And ministry, families and marriages come under attack. The first time in ministry that I ever had, and, and just to be wide open honest with you because some of you need to hear this, that I had somebody after me, I didn't even know it. I'd have, I had to have two people, not my wife, two other people, tell me before I got it and realized it. And then I told my wife, and she said, well, I already saw that. And so three people saw it before I saw it. What am I saying? I'm saying to you men and you women who are married, your spouse tells you, there's something right there I don't like. Don't say, don't worry about it. Say, honey, let's get the oil. And let's anoint that place where that person is connecting with me. If it's at work, if it's at school, if it's wherever it's at, let's anoint that place that that person is trying to connect with me. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to take that that they are defiling and we're going to put it back in God's kingdom and in His hands. This is all about being specific. Stop praying those kinds of prayers. Stop, stop, stop praying soft prayers of everybody and just wonderful. Okay, I don't care if you use flowering words. But you got to get a fire in here. you got to start praying strong if you want to see God.
bring miracles to happen in your house. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? I want some miracles. God, I want to see some miracles. I want to hear some testimonies. I'm tired of hearing the prayer requests. I'm ready to hear the praise reports. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. We don't have room for all of you to come up here. But come up here anyway. I want to ask everybody, come on. Come on. Now. We, this morning, we just got to. Closing this message out, we just have to come to the front. I brought the early service up. I said, I know we're not going to have room for everybody in the second service. Chase, Evan, Brad, just kind of push your legs against that row and just kind of slide it back a little bit. Josh, Zach, do the same. Just kind of slide it back give us a little more room right there. It's not a big deal. Press on in a little bit. Let's get everybody out of the aisle as much as possible. I just feel like you need to make it a little bit of a step toward this today. Take a little step toward praying strong. You pray and pray, nothing's happened, right? Start praying strong. Because James 5, 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Stop praying wounded. I know some of you are wounded. I know some of you are hurt. I know some of you have been beaten up and you feel like the devil is one. Quit praying like that, though. Your prayers aren't. Wounded prayers, prayers of a righteous person are powerful and will be effective. You need to start saying, that's me. I'm not righteous because I'm perfect. Nobody standing here is. I'm righteous because he made me righteous. And he said I'm righteous. And because of his righteousness, my prayers are powerful and effective. Quit praying defeated and wounded and weak. It's time to pray strong. And you don't have to have this, but you need some. On your way out the doors, you're dropping your tithes and offerings into the basket. There's going to be a little basket there also of these. Pick you one up, put it in your pocket, your purse, take it with you and start praying more specific. And, and listen, if you're a first time attender, that offering tithe thing, that was just for us home folk. All we want you to do is pick up the, pick up the oil. Okay, We don't want an offering from you today. We want you to just be here, but pick up a vial of oil. Pray strong. They're going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing till you finish praying. I told them first service, we'd like a little, little, little more lengthy introduction because I don't want y'all to start singing too soon. I want you to pray. I want us to get a head start on this right now. Praying specific. Close your eyes. Where's that place you need a miracle? Speak it right now. Just whisper it. And if, you, if you're a little scared to even whisper it, mouth it with your lips. At least mouth it with your lips. God, I need a miracle here. And say what it is. Say where it is. Say that place. Say the, what the struggle is. Say what the battle is. Speak it. Be specific so that you will know tomorrow or whenever it happens, God did this for me. Name names. If, if, if there are people involved, situations, bills to pay or something like that, whatever it is, come on, name it. Say it right now and say, God, come on. Come on right now, let a fire well up within your soul that I am ready to see God's power once again in my family. Come on, name it right now. Go ahead when you can. God, I pray, Lord, over every person standing here right now. 
God, let a fire well up within us. Let us pray strong. God, no place I'd rather be than right here. God, we mark this place, a place where we've met you before, a place where we received uh, promises before, a place where we are wanting to meet you again. God, a place of worship, a place of power. God, heal, deliver. God, whatever it is, we name it today. We name it today, God. We're ready to start praying strong. Jesus.